0: Well, good morning. Let me reiterate what Aaron has already said. It's been a great series to be a part of. And uh, man, we just appreciate so many of you who have always been a part of what God's been doing here at first. And then to see others join, uh, in, join with you in that has been really encouraging. And uh, it's just been exciting to see the momentum that's picking up out of summer. And as we head to the fall, just all the things that God's going to be doing in our church. I don't know if you're a big fan of sports, but if you have a particular sport that you enjoy, you most of us become kind of a student of the game, right? Uh, whether it's volleyball or soccer or baseball or, or football, as most of our analogies are coming from because of the time of season— um, you can see how a sport maybe evolves or how it changes, and some of you are like, what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, one of the ways you see even in football is the way offenses are set up anymore. Used to be every good running attack needed a fullback, right? But you'll watch programs all the time that they don't, don't really use a fullback, or and if they do, sometimes it's kind of a hybrid player, kind of a, a tight end, fullback, whatever it may be. Or maybe even talking about being a tight end. Tight ends were predominantly for blocking back in the day. But now they, they play like receivers. And some of them get to the NFL and can't really hardly block at all. But the game develops in all sorts of different ways. And offenses begin to expand. And new and creative ways to begin to tackle the sport, so to speak, begin to come out. And the same thing is true even for the local church. Now, one of the things that you may have seen happen more than anything else in this football season is this helmet issue and the tackling issue uh, because of the concern for CTE or the condition that comes from multiple and too many concussions. The NFL specifically has been trying to figure out how, to, how do we not only protect our quarterbacks, but how do we become better at tackling? How do we, how do we better approach our, our fundamentals? How do we keep our, our, our players from head trauma, which is, I think, a good idea. But many people are frustrated by it because they feel like in the very sense of it that we're calling penalties on things that we used to call tackles and that many of the times that it's not bad form, but it is a part of the game. But at the same time, people are being injured, and so we need to figure out the best ways, the, the most secure and safe ways to play in order for the sport to be able to continue on without it becoming completely barbaric. But in the changing of sports, there becomes this understanding, though, that there are techniques, there are new rules, uh, maybe ideas of nutrition that even get implemented so that as a team, in a sport, we can perform at our maximum level, we can be the best that we can be. We're an interesting day uh, as far as the world that we're a part of. Our world continues to change. And oftentimes we talk about this from a perspective uh, in in the reality that um, it's not a not a post-Christian world that we live in anymore, it's really more of an, an anti-Christian world that we live in. Our world, our communities, our nation, world around us does not have the pre-postured position to where we assume that everybody has a belief in God and a belief in, in Jesus. As a matter of fact, it kind of presents some for some people a very scary time to be a part of the local church. Our elders, our leadership are just crazy enough to think that maybe this is the best time to be the church. That we now have great opportunities to step out and to reach as many people as possible and to make a significant impact on the world around us. And so we've been thinking about this a little bit. And one of the things that we've been trying to explain are the, the four G's, how we gather, grow, give, and even today is go. And when we talk about being all in to go, here's what we mean. All in to go equals a church on the move. Okay, all in to go is a church on the move. You see what I'm saying? I mean, the idea is that in this process, to be, to be a church and to be all in, the fourth piece is really the, the maturation piece. This is going beyond the walls. This is stepping out into our world. This is being a light and a witness to the community that we're a part of. Jesus spoke about being all in when he did this. He, he talked about how what everything we're about is loving God and loving people. These are the great commandments of, of the two things that everything really hold on in Scripture. In Jesus' words, he challenged us to go into all the world and to make disciples. In Jesus' words, in the opening of Acts, he says, You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. And this was a, 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 a city and then a community and then a region. The idea is that these ripple effects begin to happen because a church that is all in to go is a church that is on the move. Okay? So let me give you this big idea that we're going to unpack a little bit today. When we talk about a church on the move then, is that it's this. A church on the move transforms the world around them. A church on the move transforms the world around them. Let me say it to you this way. Just because a lot of people show up in a building doesn't mean the church is on the move. Just because a crowd is gathered doesn't mean the church is on the move. And That was the reality even for the early church, that there were these large gatherings, these large movements, but ultimately what needed to happen is there needed to be a movement out into the world so that the church could ultimately be what it's created to be. If you've got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open up to Acts chapter 11 today. And we've been looking at some of the early chapters of Acts, and so we're kind of jumping several chapters, and and I would encourage you to read from about chapter 4 to about chapter 11 and see the dynamic and the maturation of what's happening in the local church, because what you'll notice is not only the dynamic of people coming to faith and, and, and the church growing, but you'll see some nuances, even some struggles, even some obstacles that get pressed against the church, and the church has to overcome them to continue to grow, to continue to move. Here's what it says, Acts chapter 11, verse 19. It starts by saying this. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that, that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also. Telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them. A great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached to the church in Jerusalem. They sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace of God, what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man. Full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Jump to verse 29. The disciples, as as each one was able decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. They did this, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Now, I love what we've been talking about over the last few weeks, because in a sense, you can feel this kind of momentum, this kind of maturation happening through our body, through our local church here in Champaign and in Urbana. There's been a synergy that showed up, but our synergy is in a different context what their synergy is. Understand this, that initially the church was born, and people gravitated to it. There was great momentum towards it. People jumped in, wanted to belong and be a part of the early church. And then the government of the day began to press in and push against the local church. And the context that we're talking about a growing, thriving, all-in church that goes into all the world is a church that's under persecution. And what has just happened before this is one of the great leaders, one of the great uh, influencers of the early church is literally arrested and he is stoned to death. Now, we always talk about this because stoned in our context is a different stoned in their context. But literally what it means in their context is that they took large rocks. Oftentimes they put people at the bottom of a hill or a cliff or whatever and then they hurled rocks at them until it destroyed them. And so Stephen is this man who is being brought up on charges, who is about to lose his life. And he ultimately dies in front of a group of witnesses. And the early church is speaking about a church that you could lose your life over. That living your faith was not an open public freedom. That it may cost you to follow Jesus. And I need to let you know that the greatest growth that the church often sees is not in time of peace, it's in time of persecution. And so it's important that we all mature in our faith. Otherwise, we will get caught up on the little things and fight those issues rather than the issues that matter, like people's eternity, people who are far from God, helping the oppressed. Helping those who are overlooked and serving those in need. How do we know the church was on the move? Well, it's pretty easy. When you look back through this, you can see that God sent them. We, We talk about how the Spirit moved on them. We talk about, second of all, persecution pushed them on the move. Literally, as the church kept gathering together and things got tougher and tougher, literally they began to clump. And what persecution brought was it was kind of a swift kick up the back end to say, no, get going, get out, get this to the farthest ends of the earth. And as they left, they changed people. But third of all, you see it in just this trail of changed lives. I mean, that's what this, that's what this passage is about. Young Christians, new Christians, uh, mature disciples who had been following Jesus are all now beginning to find their place in the movement of God. So how do we know they had impact? Let me give you four quick reasons if I can, okay? How do we know the church had impact? First of all, the type of people they reached. There's a very distinct discussion that initially they go to reach the Jews, but some went to reach the Greeks. And we've talked about this a lot of times, that oftentimes faith stays within our tribe, right? People who look like us, act like us, talk like us, walk like us. But the gospel of Jesus Christ... The reality that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ provides salvation for all people, forgiveness for all people, and is our security into a relationship with Jesus Christ was meant for all people. It began to overcome things like ethnicity, economic differences, national differences. The church had no boundaries, and it just began to spread and reach anyone it came in contact with. Second of all, there's evidence that God was at work. Literally, the passage says, God's hand was on them. Now understand this. God's hand, clearly, everybody goes, oh, God's doing something because there's a big crowd. The context of this passage is coming from is persecution. You understand what I'm saying? They're not coming home to the parade for the national championship. They're not lining up the marching band to let everybody know, oh, Christians are here. No, they're living in a time where there's persecution, where it's hard, where it may cost you your life, where you're pushing against the powers that be. And God's hand was on them. They're celebrating the work of God in the midst of some of the most difficult times. And there was fruit that was coming. The third thing that we see is there's, the mark of disciple-making. The relationship from Barnabas to Saul, the understanding from going from Jews to Greeks were beginning to see this handing off of faith that they were disciples who made disciples who made disciples. Meaning they didn't just come and say, oh, I believe in Jesus and be a part of a church and then say, man, that's awesome, right? They said, you know what? If I believe this, I need to share this. I need to share it in the way that I live. I need to share it in the way I speak to each other. I need to share it in the way we treat people around us because my faith is not private. <laughs> it is personal, but it changes our public. But the fourth thing we see is that it's just this outpouring of ministry to the local church. Literally, we see the way people are responding. Literally, verses 26 and 27 in this passage speak about a famine that's coming. And you know what the early church did? They said, how can we help? They opened their wallets, they opened their time, their talent, and they sacrificed of themselves so that others might be able to see and experience what the church is really like. Now, I I would love to preach up here for another 30 minutes and just kind of let it fly on what it looks like to be a part of a persecuted church in the context of a, a free, comfortable America that we live in. But what we really need to do if we're all going to mature is maybe hear the testimony of some of our peers about why they're all in. Why they're plugged into first. Why they've chosen to, to let God use them, transform their lives, and then what it's doing to the community around us. So. I'm going to do something a little bit different today. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to invite some friends to the stage. We're going to bring out some uh, some bar stools on onto on uh, the stage in a moment. But we're going to interview three of my friends. Why don't you guys go ahead and come on up, and we'll bring the bar stools out at this point. All right, there's one. Ooh. Okay. And Kate, you're in here somewhere, aren't you? There we go. Some of us are shy when we get on stage, you know. Okay. We have a microphone that we're going to share uh, amongst the three of you, if you will. And so let's just start with this easy question. Uh, why don't you tell everybody who you are, what you do, and uh, where you begin to serve here at first. Let me make sure that's on for you. I'll grab that.
1: Okay good morning my name is kevin teal uh, i'm part of the chair stacking posse for the 1045 service
2: i'm spencer smith i'm uh with the kids ministry um, i serve in the first christian church as a as a team leader and then also a large group leader through the um, first grade through fifth grade in the kids ministry
3: and he's in kids ministry at home because you have four kids and you're still doing that i don't know It comes natural, I guess. Uh, I'm Kate Zabala, and I've been up here on stage singing and playing. Uh, Right now, most of my time is spent with our high schoolers in our student ministry.
0: When you guys think about serving, uh, what encouraged you to jump in and serve here at first?
3: I was lonely. (laughs) I had uh, just moved here to Champaign, uh, and I was like, I need to get plugged in somewhere. I need to know people who are in community with each other. And I just need to, like, nudge my way into their uh, lives. Um, And I was just, um, I needed to have God work through me and um, serve rather than be served. So, but loneliness is number one. Uh,
2: For me, uh, if anybody that knows me personally, um, I have a a spiritual gift uh, to be able to work with kids um, I'm naturally a big kid myself. I enjoy playing all the time. Um, for a living, I, I work for um, a telecommunication company, and um, I, uh, I'm in leadership with them. And during the time period, I got, when I first started with them for the first few years, I, I kind of got lost up into trying to climb that corporate ladder and stuff. And your, your messages, Danny, actually, you know, coming off of, um, you know, meaningless and stuff you know, during that time period, when I first started working with the, the company, um, I started to be able to feel like, hey, you know, the, the work that I'm doing, you know, is, is kind of meaningless. I'm not really using what I know as my spiritual gifts, which one of them is, you know, being able to work with kids. I need to be able to get back at it. And um, lo and behold, I started praying about it and an opportunity came to be able to help out in the kids ministry here at First Christian Church, um, came in to be able to help fulfill, fulfill that and you know, now I'm doing something that's, that's really worth it. And actually for Sundays that I get to be able to come in here, that's what I look forward to in the, during the week is to be able to come in here to be able to help serve and, and, and um, work with the kids here.
1: So. I got involved in the chair stacking ministry because the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me leave seeing that sign every Sunday. So I saw guys like Don Orr and Art and Stan and John starting to stack chairs and I just said, these guys need help. So I just decided to hang back. And for me, it's one of those things where it's a simple thing, it fit my schedule, because my work hours are kind of crazy. So I said I can help, you know, do that part. And so I just wanted to get in where I could fit in.
0: It's funny, um, uh, Kevin, as as he's told you who he is, is actually Dr. Kevin Teal. He's a neurosurgeon for Carl. And so I just want you to know that the man who, uh, who could work on your brain is stacking chairs. So if you're concerned about his fingers, We'd love to have you help. You didn't know, that's why. (laughs) Okay, okay. So just curious question. I'll hand this back to you guys. Um, Did you see this modeled by somebody or or what began to be uh, service be a value in your life?
1: For me, I mean, service can take many forms. I mean, I grew up in the church. I was involved in Sunday school and because I could conjugate my verbs, I got to stand up and read scripture and do stuff like that. And so, but for me, I mean, service that mattered really came when I started reading the Bible and I started understanding that God had a calling on my life and I I had spent a pretty good time, 23 years not obeying that. And so service to me came to be a way to give back with humility and just consistency, just to pay back God for what he's doing. We're never gonna pay him back, but just to get in my lane and start running the race. That's good.
2: Um, for me um, it really started with um, I I want to be able to say give it back over to Dr. Teal and uh, Matt Burgess of Nirvana because I'm in their small group with them and they're excellent role models but uh, the truth with the whole kids ministry and getting involved with them and doing what I do um, i modeled myself off of the community in the church Um, there's a lot of people and it was mostly the women Um, I can name out a few um, Allison Sanborn um, Jackie Holtz and Elaine Stone you know, those are the type of people that I model with the kids ministry and follow their suit. And they've been instrumental in my development and um, working with the kids and growing as a Christian and working um, to be able to learn God's ministry and what we do here at First Christian Church. So I would give it back over to the women. And I don't want to neglect my wife, though, either, because, you know, and me and her are one. And I couldn't be able to do the things I could do without her, like, for example, right now, she's at home taking care of four kids you know, run around and, you know, I'm here I mean, I'm dressed clean, don't have any saliva or anything like that on me, but, uh, but uh, I mean, for me and her to be able to connect, I mean, it, it mostly goes to her too because she's there to be able to help support me and, uh, and become as one.
3: Um, for me, student ministry was modeled time and time again to me when I was a student. Um, just so many adults, the list could go on and on, that took time out of their week, out of their schedule, out of their family time to just pour into me, to disciple me, to take an interest in the dumb play that I was in in seventh grade that was terrible, but, like, my youth group leader was there. Oh, it was so bad. But he was there, and that meant so much to me, and that just made me that much more willing to hear from him about what was the gospel, what does God's word say, um, what does God want from us, like he had to go to a terrible middle school play, and I was like, yay, I love you, and I love Jesus now too. So just so many adults that took time out of their busy schedules to be a part of my life. Most recently, uh, the woman who has taught me the most about student ministry, and specifically discipling students, um, and just chasing after students, is one of our small group leaders here at First, uh, Brittany Carver. Um, I'm going to start calling that woman Diana Ross because there ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no valley low enough to keep her from getting to students, to discipling students, to teaching people who want to know how do I now disciple students. That woman is the church on the move. Um, And there's nothing stopping her uh, from chasing after students. So it's just by watching her and going, you do what? You say what? You meet, oh, oh, and just... um, trying to keep up with her pace. Uh, I've learned a lot from her in the past
0: year. Okay, so we're going to shift this real quick and need to make this kind of our last push. So what we do here is fueling everything that we want to do out there, meaning, you know, we gather for this hour and 10, hour and 15 minutes, but really it's about the other days of the week and the world that we're a part of and how we, you know, the kind of, you know, it's about me being the kind of husband I'm supposed to be, being the dad that I'm supposed to be, how I hang out with uh, my kids' friends, how I'm a part of the community that I'm part of, and I know you guys are wrestling with all that. What does it look like to take uh, your generosity or your service and apply it to the world that you're a part of, and how do you see God at work in those in those moments?
3: So me serving doesn't look like, oh, I'm the best keyboard player. God is lucky to have me. I'm the worst keyboard player, but but God wants my heart. Uh, I'm not our best small group leader, but God wants my heart. So me serving um, in the church, in my community, my family, my neighbors, uh, what it's looked like is I've watched God just tear apart my heart and uh, tear down my Uh, you know, selfless ambition and my pride and him constantly showing me um, how to point people back towards him, how to point people back towards the gospel. Um, Am I doing everything that I can to prepare myself to share the gospel with other people? And then at the same time, am I doing everything I can to get out of the way so that God can move? Um, Being in service is like... um, Soccer, I don't like soccer, but my husband's from Ecuador, so that's the only sport that we watch. So in soccer, when someone scores a goal, they always say, is it called the goal assist? Is that the person who sets the person up to score the goal? That's what I feel like when I'm serving. I feel like I'm just the goal assist, and I'm taking everything that I have and going, here you go, God. And God just, boom, is scoring goal after goal after goal. Um, So I just get to be the goal assist. Is that what it's called? I'm using a metaphor that I'm not familiar with. I apologize. But I just get to be on God's team, and I get to watch him score goal after goal, and it's just, uh, what, what was the question? It's just joyful, I guess is what I really wanted you guys to know. It just fills me up with so much joy to be this much a part of God's will and God's glory and God's kingdom, um, and it's hard work. Uh, and it's fun and it's just, um, it just fills me up with joy. And I love watching other people being filled up with the Holy Spirit and the joy that um, God has for them.
2: (sighs) Uh, For me in in surrendering and to, to serving, um, it allows me to be able to grow. Um, you know, back there in that kids ministry, man, we got so much talent that's back there. Um, for the other teachers and stuff that are back there, I mean, it's just tremendous. I mean, there's not something that I don't pick up every week from somebody that's that's back there and serving. in um, the team lead, just to be able to kind of shadow and get to be able to see in the different classrooms, um, you get to be able to see all different types of techniques um, that are being used, and that helps me, you know, grow as an individual. And um, I know what path that God's taken me towards, um, you know, within my life, and I'm glad that, you know, First Christian Church gives me that opportunity to be able to go do that. Um, but um, I would say, you know, the, the growth portion of it in the community that we have. I mean, there's, and even in this room, I could, I could see some of the faces that are out there, you know, that's, that's helped shape me for the person that I am that helps motivate and inspire me. Even with the kids, um, you know, back there at the church and stuff, to be able to see their passion um, for Christ and, and God. I and mean, it's awesome. And to be part of that experience for them. You know, part of our mission that's up there on the screen, it talks about, um, on the side over here, it talks about um, helping people surrender to be more like Jesus uh, so that uh, they can become more like him. Um, To be able to get that peace, you know, with the kid, it is inspirational. It's awesome to be able to see some of those kids in the community as well, too, outside the church, to be able to come up to you. You're dining at uh, Dairy Queen or something like that, and you're just sitting there with your family, and all of a sudden this random kid comes up, because I don't know all their faces. But they're just sitting at the side of the table, just looking at me, and I'm like, "Oh, you must be a kid from the church." And it's like, "Yeah." It's like high fives. You know, how's your day going? But it's it's awesome to be part of that and to be able to teach the love of Christ, you know, with those children, and um, you know, it's it's great.
1: I think for me, the um, there's a there's a song. I think it's Mercy Me or Casting Crowns, but the lyric says it's a tiny offering compared to Calvary. When I think about service my service, my gift to God, it's a tiny offering compared to Calvary. And so what I do is try to stay on mission with God. Uh, It started, as I said, for me, with getting deeper in the word. A friend of mine told me years ago, I was struggling with trying to read the Bible. He told me, open the jar. The jar is the gospel of John, the book of Acts, and the book of Romans. He said, if you open the jar, you'll eat from God's word for the rest of your life. And that's been true in my life. It will change you, it will motivate you, it becomes a spirit-directed, word-lived-out journey. And it's exciting, it's scary, and don't eat the glory cookies. They're not for you. Give God the glory. Don't drink the pride punch. Give God the glory. It's not about you. If you stay humble and keep moving, God will bless you, but you gotta step out and let him use you. And it's scary, but he's got you, so don't be afraid.
0: Awesome. Can you say thank you to these friends? Yeah, if you take the side. We're gonna to move to a time of response now. And the reality is we want all of us to be able to mature in our faith. And so let me ask you just real quick, is your faith maturing beyond the gathering? Is it maturing beyond just getting together? Hey, if you're here and you're a guest with us, if you're here and you're a long-time attender with us, I'm glad you're here. But there's so much more in your faith to begin to grow in. There's so much more that God's trying to do, not only in our lives, but in our world. And frankly, I think many of us, we're just too busy. We're too distracted. And, and so we miss out on really what God's trying to shape in us and how God's trying to transform the world around us. So a couple of things, you know, you've heard the announcements, you know, group link is this Wednesday night. Make sure you sign up either online or on your connection card. You've heard the announcement. Hey, get into First Serve. First serve meets next Sunday morning, and we're gonna we're gonna show you different areas where people can serve and get plugged in. But the real challenge we want to give you today is really pressing into what does it look like to go into the world? And we've got a we've got a website called firstgobe.church. Okay? First, go church, And you're going to be able to pick those up at these tables, and it's going to be on the, the screen later. But here's the truth of the matter of it all. It's, a, it's perhaps more important in what we do the rest of the week than what we even do right here. Now, this is important. It's important to gather. We need our spiritual pep rally. We need our times where we come together, where we learn the offense, where we grow together, and we, we should not forsake meeting together. I get that but if we gather a great crowd but have very, in, very little influence on our community, we're not the church. We're not the church. The church changes the world. The church transforms the world around them. And the greatest evidence that God is alive in you is the fruit, the challenges, the struggles that God may be leading you in to to refine you and to reshape you. And so I want to encourage you today with this one challenge. I want everybody to think of one person that maybe they could reach. We all have one person that's either not connected to a local church or, or doesn't seem to have any relationship with God, and I want to encourage you to step out and invite them to first. I want you to invite them to take the journey that you're taking. I want you to bring them into your life and to literally try and be uh, just somebody who's following Jesus. Somebody who doesn't have it all together but says, hey, this, this is where we're going together. And, and I, I'm not the only one there. There are all sorts of us that are getting connected and we're getting into a group and we're using our gifts and talents and we're being sent into a world where we are changing the world. It's It's this ripple effect. And I'm just one of the stones that gets thrown across the pond for God's glory. I'm going to pray for us to do that. And then I'll lead us into our time of response. God, thank you so much for the church. Because (laughs) had the church not be born, I would not have come to know you. And we gather today because many suffered and struggled and gave of their lives so that we might have the opportunity to know you. God, I would pray if there is hardness around our heart, if there is a callous nature to our soul, God, would you begin to remove that? And God, would you lift our heads? Would you lift our eyes to the world around us? Jesus, when you gathered your disciples, you had a moment like this, and as they looked across the crowds, you said, They look helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. God, that's our world today. When we look at children and students and the world they're growing up in, many of them look helpless and harassed like a sheep without a shepherd. (laughs) We look at the workforce and the dog-eat-dog world that we're a part of and the the politics and the gossip and the things that destroy our work. We go, we look helpless and harassed like like sheep without a shepherd. God, would you raise us up, not as the perfect example, but as people who follow your example. And may we bring one life, one person with us next week or in the week after and begin to pour our lives into others the way you have for us. God, we love you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to sing. The band's going to begin to lead us in a couple of songs and you're going to see that banner of first go b. church and you're welcome to grab your phone and begin to sign up and find out ways that you can plug in but if you're a guest with us today you may not know that normally what we do is we take time to pray even at the front of the stage we have these benches and people will come and they will pause and they'll lift up requests before God thanks to God they'll they'll pray about things that are maybe going on in their marriage or their workplace or whatever it may be but they they take a moment to pause before God. It's one of the most beautiful portions of our service. Not because it's just everybody's on their knees, but because as we're moving, we all, we all believe that God's in this and a part of this, moving and stirring in us. Some of us, many of us will go to these tables and there are, those cards are there in case you don't want to pull out your phone today. You can take the card home and it has information on how you can look this up. But there is a tray to the side it has bread and juice. And every week we pause to be reminded that the bread reminds us that God's body was broken, that His, the juice reminds us that his blood was shed. His death on Calvary is the payment for our sins, for life everlasting. And so we pause for a moment to eat the bread and to drink the juice and consume the reminder that our life comes from the life of Jesus, his sacrifice. And then we put the cup in the, the bucket in the middle. And then we respond to our time, our talent, and our treasure. Some of us will take a connection card and we'll place it in one of the response boxes around the room or we'll take our offering and we'll place it in one of the response boxes around the room. But as a church, we want to be all in. If you can come for the gathering and that's it right now, okay, we understand that. But as your friend and coworker in Jesus we're going we're going to encourage you to move beyond that so i'm going to ask you to stand we're going to get ready to sing go ahead and stand and as the band leads us today would you would you wrestle with what it means to be all in what it means to be a part of first christian church would you would you wrestle with if there's an area that you've kind of held back that maybe today you step out in in faith and may god take who we are collectively And may he put us front and center into a world that needs to know him through us. Through service, through a compassionate word, through a crying shoulder, may God move us all.